Hello, welcome to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. I'm Nate, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my good friend Josh. Hey, doing, mate? I'm well, man. How are you? I'm going okay. How's your week been? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's a little bit stressful at uni, but um, two Lots weeks. Of learning. Yeah, yeah, two weeks off after the end of this one, but everything's falling due. So, um, yeah, a little bit time stress, but that's all self-imposed. So, self-imposed. Good man. Oh, man, an exciting week. We are recording on the 23rd of August and um, things are getting a bit jittery again across the markets and across the, um, both here and abroad. And um, we had a bit of a drop last night in the US and we're experiencing one here today on the ASX as well. Um, and in fact, yesterday was a bit of a drop on the ASX as well, I think probably predicting the overnight from America. But um, yeah, so I guess there's some more news and more jitters across the globe. Um, with uh, yeah, America was down. I think almost two percent um, on the Nasdaq. Yeah. And Nasdaq was over two percent. Yeah, and they dropped on Friday as well. So yeah, what's what's um what's the turn of events here? Is it? I I don't know, mate. You're the newsman. I <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay. So, well, I guess I guess the latest jitters. I mean, people have called this a bear market rally, and and lots of things get thrown out there. I guess we don't know until hindsight, but. Um, the reason for the current, I guess, little bit of nervousness is the um, there's more and more global recession fears. I think there's more and more um, information coming out. China is experiencing um, some pretty pretty gnarly stuff in their property, especially. Um, they've got you know some of their local um, local people over there banding together and refusing to pay mortgages, um, which is a big thing in China because typically the CCP have crack down on anyone who, um, you know, kind of backs, you know, puts their back up against that. So um, yeah. that will be interesting to see what's happening over there. They've obviously yeah, got a lot, a lot of people at once doing it though. Hey, which makes a, you know, a bit, a bit mm. different. You know, you can, yeah. you can say no to a few, but you can't say no to all. So. Mm. They've obviously got, you know, Evergrande, which currently I think is the, um, owes the largest debt in the world of any company. Um, it's a yeah, construction. Wow. We're seeing that over here as well. With a lot, you know, I feel like you're reading every day. Another yeah. construction company's gone down. So I, I guess the global recession fears are coming a little bit to the forefront for people, um, getting a bit nervous, and we're seeing that in the markets as well at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and on China, I'm pretty sure I, I, I read, you know, um, the CCP have made it clear that there's like something like a hundred billion. Well, I don't know if it was dollars. It was probably um, yuan or whatever it was. I think they had a hundred billion yuan ready to go to um, help some of these uh, businesses out if they went under. So they're, they're ready for it. Clearly they've got some stuff on the side. And I, I did watch a video, a really interesting video um, as to why a lot of this problem is happening now in China. And um, they, they equate it to a Ponzi scheme. So they're like, oh, they really? pretty much said, yeah, they, they said like the developers are essentially pre-selling stuff like just on plans it's 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 like you know we have off the plan here in australia it's it's a step mm. above off the plan it's like you're you're putting a deposit down for nothing to start with but what happens is because they've taken on so much debt and they're planning this so far ahead is that they're using this new deposit money to pay for existing things that are happening so they're relying on the next people to invest in order to pay the current people uh the current buildings right so similar to a ponzi scheme sort of but legal apparently so 
um, yeah, that's that's all kind of falling apart now that nobody's paying their mortgages because the banks don't have the money to lend and the uh, developers don't have the money to continue. They've got no, no invet, new investors to pay for the current buildings and everything stops. That's a lot yeah, of, uh, yeah. So, and that's, that's, we all know how big property is in, in most countries for um, GDP and the economy. So that's going to hurt. Yeah. And I guess talking on yeah. China then, um, you know, a few, a few people who we follow, um, you know, most, probably the biggest one that I really like is Ray Dalio and he seems to have sold out of China. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, yeah. He's so. been for quite some time along with like Munger and Buffett have been pretty big advocates for China and the growth there and um, yeah. what they've been doing. And, and uh, yeah, he's obviously owned quite a few different um, stocks. I think was he test center as well? I'm not Tencent. too sure. I know. Um, uh, who was it? That was uh, Monash. Monash is Tencent. But yeah. um, I don't know about Ray Dalio. But what I will say is um, Ray Dalio is not a similar investor to what we are. He's a very big macro investor, right? So mm. um, he he even calls what he does, you know, bets on the market. And that's not essentially a long-term play. He has a lot of uh, very powerful principle-based algorithms for his investing funds. Um and if that means that there's going to be a short-term pain, they'll be out like most investors would, but he's obviously yeah. a lot smarter than most investors. So um, I believe, I believe, uh, uh, not Monash, um, Charlie Munger still invested in Barba. He hasn't sold the rest of his shares that he owns in Barba. So um, yeah, interesting. Longer term versus short term looking at it. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because Ray Dalio, as you mentioned, um, big macro investor, but that's two probably macro investors now that we have followed that have really kind of sold down hard. We spoke about it last week. Michael Burry um, essentially sold out down to his last, yeah, 300 million down to 3 million or something. Um, yeah. And now Ray Dalio is um, obviously exiting China. China. Was there anything else that he exited, mate, in, in the US, or was it was that just no? Big... I think it was more so China, and it's a, it's a, a lot of the fears at the moment is US more more and more um, of the conflict with China happening, um, and they're now uh, I think they've put uh, Alibaba on that watch list for delisting, and mm. um, and the other pretty much all of the Chinese companies now are on that you know delisting list. Um, yeah, so there's a there's a lot of uncertainty there, but you still got very mixed reviews. Like, you know, I follow a lot of the um, articles on Seeking Alpha, and it's just you can read one completely bullish review and one completely bearish review, one after the other, written by very two close yeah. people. It's, it's weird. So, you know, longer term, I think I think like most things, like if you're buying a good company longer term, you're still going to be right if you're happy to ride the short term pain, right? So, it's only short term pain if you sell. As, as you mentioned, we're not really macro investors. We, we have you know, what we call legacy legacy investing or legacy style investing. But um, the, the macro is exciting and fun to report. <laughs> it is. It is very much exciting. And it's, you know, it's, it's also good to look at that stuff and understand what's happening because right. if it brings companies that you like on sale and you understand why they're coming on sale and it's just a big macro event, you know, like it's, pretty, it's pretty exciting for mm. what we do. But um, speaking of, uh, you know, investors while we're on the topic, um, 
I don't know if we covered Lee Lu last week. I can't remember. I don't think we did, but um, very interesting to see Lee Lu um, also completely sold out of uh, Meta. He sold 100% of his position um, oh, that he okay. was basically adding to. Yeah, he, he he did buy and sell and buy and sell a little bit. And it looks like, you know, he really did buy on the dips, but he's completely out now. And we know that Meta's at one of its lowest prices. So that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was 876,000 shares, 8% of his portfolio. So um, he's completely out of Meta and he also heavily bought more Google shares. So um, ah. he, he bought two, 2 million Google shares. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, so out of Meta, harder into Google. Yeah. And there's been a lot of, you know, like I've been listening to uh, Invested with Phil and Danielle Town a bit. And um, Phil made it clear that on the podcast too that he's been buying Google. So um, interesting, you know, maybe because they're not, they're not that cheap compared to where they were essentially. Like if you take mm-hmm. them pre uh, pre split price, they're, they're roughly around that $2,000 mark. Um, but now at their post split, it's, it's a lot more achievable. They're, they're currently around 114. Um, I think that's a pretty attractive price based on their, based on their growth rates and their numbers and so forth, like we've discussed previously, but I really think we need to knuckle down and, and at least do a, um, a shallow dive into Google because there's a lot of activity happening around Google at the moment, yeah. which is exciting. Yeah, let's do it, mate. We'll lock that one in uh, for the subsequent weeks. Um, that is a promise. Yes. Guarantee. Let's do Guarantee. it. Mate, um, we mentioned, we've talked about Netflix before, but some interesting news has come up about Netflix, Netflix over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, and I guess the news was that Disney Plus had, sort of for the first time in history taken over the subscriber grow and um, or sub- total subscriber numbers, I believe. Um, yeah. But when you, when you dive into that a little bit deeper, um, there's just a, a little bit of, uh, not, not inaccuracy, but probably playing with numbers a little bit, hey? Yeah, I was hoping you would sell it more. Like, oh, Netflix, you know, they're not the number one streaming service anymore. Disney Plus <laughs> and their package is just completely taken over and we should all look at that instead. No, you're, you're exactly right. Um, so from the research that we've done, uh, we can see that uh, they're reporting, and the media is heavy on this, we know what the media is like, heavy on the reporting to say that the Disney Plus package, which includes Disney Plus, Hulu, and HBO Plus, um, the subscribers to those three uh, platforms has uh, overgone the number of subscribers for Netflix. And you might be thinking, wow, that's awesome. But what they're doing is if one person subscribes to all three of those or they subscribe to the package, then they're counting that as three subscribers. So, you know, it's nowhere near that number. It just means that if you've bought the package, you're technically subscribed to each of the services and they've made one person into three people in their numbers. And then you look further into it and you look at the, uh, the cost or I guess the revenue per subscriber. Um, you know, Netflix is up there around $12, 12 or $15 US. I don't know. I don't know in Australia, it's more like $16 per subscriber. Um, bit of a difference there, right? But the, on average, the um, cost per, not the cost, sorry, the revenue per subscriber for the Disney Plus package is $6. It's like 
you know, half to half, half to a third of what Netflix yeah. is. So you, and then, you know, you look at that number and you go also that number, and then you're multiplying the amount of subscribers incorrectly um, or however they want to do it. I'm not going to say it's incorrect because they can do it however they want. But if you actually read into the report, they, they make it clear that they're adding them, right? Um, you're actually a lot lower um, income and that's showing, you know, when they, when they actually show their revenue and net income for that, uh, the difference in companies between Netflix and, and Disney. So, yeah. And in, on pure um, share, uh, oh, sorry, earnings um, value, the PE of Disney right now is 68. Yeah. Roughly, and Netflix is down around 22. So like the, the, there's a big difference in share price and price to earnings. Um, yeah. In terms of compare, comparing both of those. And um, I, I still think that Netflix has that moat in that um, they still just really draw in a lot of talent. I, I think people will um, sign with Netflix to produce stuff. Uh, you know, I know, um, you guys know I'm a pretty mad basketball fan, but um, LeBron and Dwayne Wade at the moment have signed a deal with Netflix to do a documentary on the um, Redeem team, the 2008, 2008 Olympic Games. Um, so so that they're just drawing in constant um, talent and so much um, you know, production of new shows and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, yeah. Is it possible? I mean, you look at Disney and they've got Hulu and ESPN, do you think Netflix could be an acquisition or, or go on the look for acquisitions and, and maybe branch out into that sporting area? Or do you think they cover their sport with the docos and so forth? I don't know. It'd be, it, it would be interesting. Um, There's no talk of that, I don't think. No, I haven't read anything on it at all. Um, so that'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I, you know, imagine if Netflix had like the uh, they won the bid for like the Super Bowl or something. Imagine that. But because yeah. I know in Australia here, you know, we've got Stan and Stan have their sports now. But like, obviously, for yeah. us, KO is the ultimate sports package. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be very interesting. I guess ESPN Plus in America is pretty big, but Disney owns that, so don't know. Yeah, yeah there's a few interesting things there. I, I guess the other big thing we wanted to cover was um, they've obviously got. This week in America, the Jackson Hole Symposium is happening. Um, and that's also, I think a lot of people are sitting back and waiting to hear what central banks are talking about and what the Fed has to say. Um, that takes place on August the 25th and 27th. So we're about sort of half a week away from that. Um, mm -hmm. And often a lot of information comes out of, from that that people can digest and then you know go ahead and invest or do whatever they want to do from that. Um, but I mean, the Fed just last week, and this is probably part of the jitters on Friday, was the Fed doubled down on their stance of fighting inflation. I, I do think a lot of people have thought maybe the Fed are getting a bit dovish. And um, yeah, so that sort of, they sort of reiterated their crackdown on inflation, but we'll see. And, and you know, Jerome Powell speaks, I think on, must be Friday this week, but we, we may not hear about what the Fed is going to, doing in September, which I think a few people probably wanting to hear, but um, there's still another CPI report, report might come out from that. There's still also another employment report come out before the September um, potential rate hike. I can only assume there's going to be another rate hike. Yeah, you would have to expect it. And I think it. Uh, I think there was some bullish kind of thinking around the last one because they said 
moving forward, they're probably going to, you know, bring it back to a half percent. But then, like you said, that's kind of backflipped. And I, I don't know, like, I think this is the first year I've really understood. I don't even, I don't even understand it. I really kind of noticed that the markets move based on expectation versus what happens more than, you know, fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just like, it's like a, a gambling machine at the moment. Um, which yeah, you can easily make or lose money, but um, I think that's where we kind of diverge from that mindset and, and stick to our principles. Yeah, um, yeah. So interesting. Definitely. Interesting. Um, not much else news. I guess probably the only other thing I wanted to say was the retailers are uh, really probably beating expectations a little bit through reporting season in America and okay. um, here in Australia. So um, just in the last week. Uh, I'll speak of Australia, um, Ascent Group, which is a, a shoe and apparel company. They they beat expectations and their share price jumped. Um, Breville, most people will know from the coffee machines and kitchen appliances. Uh, they have done better than expected and their share price has jumped. Um, Nick Scarly, which is a furniture company, again, beat expectations and and share prices jumped. But what I have been reading their reports and what, what a lot of them are saying is Again, not not much guidance has been given forward. So, I guess that half yearly report will be interesting to see um, from this date. And and again, all of them have actually reported some pretty strong buying of their products in the first you know eight weeks, six, seven, eight weeks of um, this financial year. So that's probably that's a bit of a surprise for me, mate, because I thought we might have sort seen a little bit more um, or a little bit less consumer spending, um, and I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, but I, I guess on on top of that as well, um, and like we've discussed, this is all um, in the mirror information, right? So mm-hmm. they're reporting information that finalised uh, June 30. We're currently, you know, July and August away. So we're two months after that fact. You know, how much hurt was happening in the industry in that half a year being the, the first half of 2022? Um, and how's that starting to shape up now? So that's going to be interesting, like I said, to see what happens moving forward because two two months is a lot of time, right? Um, yeah. So, and we obviously in Australia we don't get quarterly reports; we get um, six monthlies essentially. So yeah. we we kind of have to wait now another six months just to see what's happening um, in that, unless they come out and give guidance. But yeah, I was going to ask you like. They're beating expectations, but what 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 level were the expectations at? Did you get an idea yeah. of like if they're uh, growing or or shrinking? Yeah, so, so a lot of it. What I think is, it wouldn't be missed, obviously, from the experts, but um, a lot of these baselines were from COVID last year. So yeah. so these percentages of profit and growth, um, I guess it's hard to factor in or hard to evaluate because of what was you know this time last year there was shutdowns there was all sorts of stuff going on so it's you know i think caution is probably the word um yeah that i would personally be using um around some of this but i mean i i generally have a a um bias towards liking you know retailers um people always love to buy stuff and um but again yeah last year it was all over the place and we still had probably still flush with money and um you know there wasn't we weren't in a tightening cycle the cycles just started to turn so um mm-hmm. you know yeah forward look although again people are forward looking aren't they so i'm, I'm surprised that we're not maybe 
factoring that in a little bit. But anyway, I'm on the sidelines at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I completely understand you there. And this is, this is a lot of volatility, isn't it? Um, mm. A lot of volatility. And it's, it's kind of hard to keep pace, you know, especially with all the news that comes out. And you really got to kind of knuckle down and, and just keep an eye on what you want to buy and what you're interested mm. in, companies that you like. But speaking of volatility, um, I think we were discussing, you know, on, on a call off air a while ago, um, looking into learning more option strategies and and we've discussed options in the past but um and i'm a massive believer that options are more of a gambling play than a uh, investing play it's all speculation right um but yeah i think um we were looking at potentially uh learning more option strategies in order to um <laughs> you know, boost the income levels, especially during the volatility and you using the volatility to our advantage, um, yeah. noting that the more volatility in the market, the more premium you'll make through selling uh, certain types of options and so forth. So um, yeah, keep a, keep an eye out for the legacy investing podcast, YouTube channel um, where we might start um, on top of, on top of what we're doing, you know, on top of what we're doing, we might start look at, um, you know, bringing forth some of that education in terms of I want to learn it. I know you want to learn it. Um, I want to do more of it. So potentially some kind of strategy, education and actual uh, trading. So mm. we'll see how that goes. Hey? Yeah. Well, mate, we started this podcast essentially for learning purposes and education purposes for you and me to try and um, get better and um, learn this. It's, it's an interest for us. And, and um, yeah, let's, let's step away. We've done a, few weeks in a row here just during earnings season looking at um earnings and you know some companies and and news and macro stuff and experts buying what they're buying but let's and selling i should say mm. um let's step back and do a little bit more um you know the how-tos and take a bit of a dive into um some of those things you talked about so yeah, that sounds great yeah in other words you're saying let's stop being lazy and making it up on the fly <laughs> and uh right. let's get back into you know what we love doing and what we love doing is investing and and learning how to you know not only just make money but build wealth um and as we've talked generational wealth which leaves a legacy so that's why we that's why we called it what it is and that's why we want to do this and we both love doing this so let's get back into what we love most eh Awesome. Well said, mate. We might finish on that. So thanks to all the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. We'll be both back next week. Catch you, mate. We'll be, mate. Thank you. Bye. All information on the Legacy Investing Podcast is the opinions of the hosts and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Legacy Investing Podcast and any contributors to the podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should consult a licensed financial professional.